Hello, and welcome into another episode of the Data Center Frontier Show podcast. I'm Matt Vincent, Editor-in-Chief editor of uh, Data Center Frontier. I'm here uh, with my colleague, uh, David Chernikoff, Senior Editor of DCF. And uh, we're here today with Burns and McDonald. We're with uh, Robert Bonner, uh, PE, Lead AP, Vice President of Mi Mission Critical Facilities uh, of the Mission critical facilities practice for Burns and McDonald, and with Christine Wood, who is vice president leading the Dallas-Fort Worth global facilities practice at Burns and McDonald. Uh, welcome in, Robert and Christine. Thank you, Matt. So great to have you here. So would you each like to uh, uh, tell us uh, a bit about uh, yourselves and also uh, your background in the uh, industry and uh, and Burns and McDonald, uh, you know, we know that you're a provider of engineering, architecture, construction, environmental, and consulting solutions for the uh, you know wide range of the construction industry. But um, that's where we'll start. Uh, if we could just get a uh, a little uh, primer on uh, Burns and McDonald and uh, your backgrounds. Excellent. Sure, uh, Matt. I'll start off. So I'm, I'm Robert Bonar. I lead the global data center practice uh, for Burns and Mac. Um, I first entered the data center market um, when firms like Google were first starting to, you know, uh, develop data centers. Uh, my my personal experience is both on the design side and on the construction side, um, and I've managed projects and teams uh, throughout the U.S., of course, um, Latin America as well as Europe. Um, and I'll turn it over to my partner, uh, Christine Wood. Thanks, Robert. So, Christine Wood, I lead the Dallas Fort Worth. Global Facilities Group, which includes uh, the data center market um, here in DFW. Yeah, I, I can't wait to get to that portion of our discussion, uh, Christine, when we talk about the uh, DFW uh, data center market, because uh, we just know from uh, what we've been reading, uh, really, uh, since uh, January, that it's, uh, you know, really uh, exploding down there with uh, data center construction. But um the first question we wanted to ask was um, just sort of taking a 30,000 foot view of uh, specifically talking about the data center uh, industry and uh, services that uh, Burns and McDonald would bring. Um, how is a client selection of a data center and mission critical consultant uh, based uh, on more than just an ability to meet uh, service needs? Like what really goes into that decision holistically and how does Burns and McDonald um, answer that? Yeah, I think that's a good question, Matt. I think um, our approach is that, you know, the data center world is is highly specialized and like very technical, um, more so than about any other industry I can think of. Um, so our approach is, you know, we understand that it, it, it takes, it not only takes a very deep bench and a vast array of expertise um, across, I mean, including related industries such as power and construction industries, um, just the ability to help them uh, throughout the country, throughout the world, um, those are huge benefits, of course. But at the core, you know, clients are looking for technical leads that can deliver at the highest levels. And these are the kind of consultants that um, can do the first of a kind designs and then, you know, manage those designs as they're sort of, you know, adapted to new sites and whatnot. 
but having those those leads, the people that really understand how to, you know, um, the technical aspects as well as how to innovate in the space is really key. And they're heavily reliant on us as a result. For instance, we have a, our mechanical lead, Sam Allen, is regarding it as one of the, the top mechanicals on the planet. And it's uh, he's been instrumental in a lot of these new mechanical designs that we do for these uh, these new challenges. And when you have challenges like AI that are really driving a lot of change in data center space, that's absolutely imperative. I think on top of that um, is a matter of tech companies approach things differently. From day one, they have really tried to innovate and blank slate the data, you know, the data center world when they entered it, you know, you know, more than more than a decade ago. And to do that means you need needing to have a culture fit with these these tech clients and understanding how to collaborate with them to you know further these innovative uh, designs and facilities. Understood. Yeah, and to add on to that, Matt, uh, Robert, Robert and I really look at and try to support on some of the clients is uh, looking at it more holistically with the client and and trying to get ahead of what they need. Um, and, and we can talk about this a little later, but uh, such as you know power being the long pole in the tent, um, and, and Burns and Mac is uh, a huge uh, consultant. Um, EPC contractor in the power market. And so some of those deep relationships with the utilities have really helped a lot of our clients in, in looking at that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we, and we are going to get right into that um, as well, but um, ahead of that though, just uh, another type of uh, overview type of question uh, are, uh, we just had to ask you about uh, your take on construction trends that you're seeing specific to the data center industry. And David, also feel free to jump in here with any uh, questions as they occur to you. Yeah, cool. so I, I would say that some of our, um, some of the trends that we're seeing is kind of a hybrid approach of prefab and modular construction, mm -hmm. uh, prefab steel uh, buildings, some modular electrical rooms, um, we're not seeing kind of full modular data centers at this point, um, but just pieces and parts of it to A, help uh, speed to market and B, help uh, some of the labor shortages that some of our uh, uh, sub-consultants are seeing. Um, but we are an EPC contractor, engineer procurement uh, construction uh, firm. And so what that really look, helps us look at is uh, our construction team is sitting day one with our design team uh, before the project even gets started. And so we're looking at procurement needs, supply chain, um, uh, and how they actually construct it versus how the actual engineers would design it. Um, and so what that helps is, is the, uh, it's a faster, faster to the market uh, data center um, when it's all about speed to market with with the demands from our clients. Are we seeing are we are we past the hump of the uh, supply chain issues that, that hit us during the pandemic? We're seeing we're still seeing pretty long lead times. Um, so no, it, it's definitely loosened. I would say, uh, but it definitely takes some uh, significant upfront planning um, with that, and then with the introduction of. Uh, some of the AI that, that we're seeing, um, there's just some significant impacts on uh, changes in the supply chain. Um, and so uh, 
it, it's eased, but it's still there. And so having that upfront planning really is uh, critical to, to getting some of these facilities up and running. Thank you. Thank you. Robert, did you did you want to add in there on the uh, data center construction uh, industry trends that you're seeing? I think that covers it well. I think, you know, the while the, the supply chain has loosened a little bit, uh, certain electrical components and whatnot are still, you know, the lead times are way out there. So still has its challenges and it's, you know, the critical path often, I mean, we've seen critical paths on projects sometimes are the substations, which is, uh, and, and they are, it takes longer to get that developed than it does the data center itself. So I think, um, you know, still has its challenges, but it is getting better. One of the uh, questions that I have to ask, it's kind of like the elephant in the room, is how, how have you seen your practice um, grow or change since we uh, came into this uh, generative uh, AI uh, sort of explosion in the data center industry uh, that, you know, obviously we've been talking about AI for, for 10 years, but last year was was really the uh, inflection point for that. Have you, have you seen an uptick? Is Are the discussions more... Uh, intense or how, how has that changed the nature of uh, discussions in, in your practice for a data center consulting? Probably um, want to take this? Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, so we definitely have seen um, uh, a significant uptick in uh, need in the market from not only speed to market, but then also demand. Um, we're seeing a lot more projects being pulled to the left uh, and triggered earlier. Um, uh, some of it is still in uh, speculate speculation stage um, uh, into how how the market is just so rapidly changing. Um, we're also seeing a lot of uh, first to kind designs um, that we're getting requests for, which. Uh, really excites our team um, yeah. to be on that forefront of uh, some of those designs. Thank you for that. It's it just incredibly uh, valuable to us to, uh, you know, to hear it from uh, on the ground, so to speak, uh, from a uh, construction uh, consulting and design company. So uh, so we have to talk about uh, power and uh, siting uh, when we were chatting a little bit before uh uh, we hit record here, Christine. You you were talking about the uh, uh, you know the central uh, uh, position that siting uh, and power concerns and power consulting uh, holds for Burns and McDonald. How it's kind of like the long uh, pole in the tent. So uh, I'll I'll uh, let you get into that for us. Sure, I'll, I'll take that one. So I think. Uh... Siting has become, you know, finding sites for new data centers has become, I, I think, one of the most significant challenges uh, for data center development. So not just are we looking at new designs and whatnot, but these new, you know, new designs are requiring, they're at a scale that is nearly 10x what, you know, this, this market would see 10 years ago. And so, you know, the sites are much larger, the capacity, the, the power requirements much greater. And that just means much more reliance on folks in the power sector. And as Christine mentioned, you know, Burns and Mac uh, is a 125-year-old company, but at its inception, it was uh, an engineering firm serving the, the, you know, the power market and the water markets. And as a result, we're number one ranked in the power space. And so we are definitely reliant on our power group. It's a great asset for us 
to be able to work with their clients, which include all the major utilities in the U.S. as well as power producers, to um, work with us to site uh, data centers. And so that's been a huge benefit to us having having them being a part of a team with that capacity. Um, but then you have the again now it's compounded because the sites are so much larger. You still have the same challenges of finding the land and you know that has adjacency to say T lines and whatnot um, or to a power plant, and you have um, you know, the traditional challenges of topography and environmental conditions and whatnot that you have to address. So it's just, everything is compounded. And so we have a team dedicated to site selection and that works with our power group and they can assess and study areas and whatnot to, uh, you know, find the right sites for these massive campuses. So it's, uh, you know, interesting challenges. I think that, um, uh, you know, we're, um, we see, and it's kind of a, it feels a little bit like an arms race right now. Uh, and huh. people are, a lot of people out there trying to uh, to find these sites and develop these massive data centers. But as Christine mentioned, some of it is speculative and some of it is very real. And, uh, you know, we're, we're deeply involved in it. Thank you for that. How many times do you uh, get with a client who wants to uh, build a, a data center uh, space that is already a hundred percent leased. Does that trickle down to a, a company like Burns and McDonald, or is it not germane to the discussion? Because it, just what you were, the last thing you said sort of made me think of that: the arms race. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, we do. Um, so we get involved early in early stages, and we are involved in projects where we are. You know, sometimes these these entire sites and campuses can get leased up before a building's even built, right? And that, yeah. that's becoming common. Um, so it's speculative to a point. And then it's, uh, you know, you have some of these clients coming in and leasing buildings or sites or whatnot. And that's also changing, you know, um, but anyway. So yes, we're, we're, we're involved in that. And I think in that case, you know, you're also looking to work with not only the, the developer or the, 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 uh, um, what would traditionally be called a colo type developer, but you're working with the end user to, you know, design that data center for their specific needs and uh, construct it as well. So it's, um, yeah, we're seeing it, it's becoming very common. Understood. Thank you, David. Uh, any, uh, any follow on question? I think Robert covered it pretty clearly. Yeah. Um, so the next thing we wanted to ask you about was uh, similarities and differences in planning for uh, different types of data center builds, whether, um, you know, there's any difference in approach, whether you're talking about an enterprise, a colo, or especially uh, a hyperscale uh, development client. Sure. Before, um, before, Robert, before you answer that, let me yes. add in, and has AI support changed any of those? Yeah. Yes. Oh, absolutely. So um, kind of addressing them, you know, it is very common to see, you know, the, the, the typical co-location providers, many of them are, many of their deals are full building leases and such, um, as opposed to traditional colo. And you're seeing a lot more of that. I think that uh, as far as what AI is doing, um, it is it's creating new, not only like new designs now, it's also um, kind of forcing or encouraging those developers to future-proof their facilities for things like, um, you know, uh, different types of cooling systems, like 
liquid, you know, uh, liquid cooling and liquid to rack, liquid to, uh, to chip, and just to, to be provisioned for it so that they can handle it in the future. But, you know, that creates a whole different set of challenges with densities and such. Um, so it's, it's as in the consulting world, it's a, it's a great challenge. It, like um, Christine mentioned earlier, these new designs are very exciting for our teams to be able to work on, you know, trying to, to solve these new challenges. Um, but, you know, you're, you're still seeing hyperscale evolve. You know, that's one constant in this industry is that just when you think, you know, after a couple of years, a, a certain um, st standardized design is uh, going to go on for a while, then it, it changes just new to new densities, new applications, new locations, um, and it just continues to evolve. So um, a lot of new challenges on the front. I think that, yes, everything is, uh, you, are, you are seeing though, the, the lease facilities uh, cater more toward to the hyperscale needs. That is uh, something that's consistent across most of those um, those developers and owners. But you still have Colo too, and I think that um you know those those projects too are frankly also very interesting to our teams because oftentimes you're doing retrofits of existing facilities and whatnot to adapt them to something else, and it's often just pieces of the data center that you may be addressing, which sometimes can be more challenging than a, a greenfield type project. So it's um. Lots of different challenges. It, I would say that it's, it is a big mix and evolving quickly with AI for sure. Understood. Um, <clears throat> Christine, before I get to the uh, Dallas uh, Fort Worth uh, focus uh, question, was, was there anything else uh, that, that you wanted to put in there or should, should we go to uh, this uh, Dallas Fort Worth uh, question, which uh, of course is, uh, you know, we're going to get the benefit of, of your expertise since that's uh, one of your special uh, or your special area of focus. Yeah, I, I think Robert cover, covered the majority of it, but, you know, I, I think uh, one thing we, we always say is that uh, mission critical and, and data center world, uh, one thing that is constant is change and that everything is always changing and um, if you're if you're getting uh, if if you're repeating uh, some of the prototype work, you, you know, and starting to get get comfortable with it, it can be turned on its side or head it, it, on a on a drop of a dime. So it, it's a fun it's a fun market to be in, and AI certainly escalated that. Absolutely. Um... Okay, so let's talk about <clears throat> Dallas Fort Worth. I was uh, excited uh, that uh, that we we're going to have Burns and McDonald here, and especially uh, you, Christine, since Dallas Fort Worth is uh, is where you work. But uh, I'm looking uh, now, though, at this uh, Cushman and Wakefield came came out with some data in uh, January, um, just talking about how uh, the Dallas Fort Worth data center markets reported record absorption of 386 megawatts in 2023. They said that's nearly a seven times increase over 2020, and it's all driven by the exponential growth in cloud computing, uh, AI, machine learning, and uh, a couple more of the data points that uh, Cushman and Wakefield cites. Uh, vacancy uh, for the DFW uh, market is at an all-time low of 3.73%. Uh, Co-location rents and data center land prices continue to rise. Um, despite a robust construction pipeline uh, with uh, 1.4 million square feet that can provide right now 225 megawatts uh, 
the vast majority uh, of uh, the DFW market's data center supply for 2024 and 25 has been pre-leased. Um, a lot of cloud providers down there. So uh, we just wanted to ask uh, uh, you uh, here, Christine and Robert, uh, you know, if we could talk about the DFW data center market, a uh, little market background, present developments, and uh, the future roadmap uh, as you see it regarding power, interconnectivity, workforce factors, as well as all this uh, AI discussion that we have to have now. Sure, um, I can talk a little bit about the uh, DFW market. So uh, the DFW data center market, I mean, you have more than 150 data center campuses around the DFW Metroplex. Um, and specifically why it's palatable to a lot of these uh, data center companies is because of the that kind of central location between Northern Virginia, which is the largest data center market in the globe and, and Silicon Valley. Um, you yeah. know, couple that with kind of low real estate cost, low-ish real estate cost. It's definitely going up, um, but but then a low cost of power, and then um, a growing metroplex um, and a strong economy combined with a long haul fiber uh, connectivity. It, it just is kind of poised to continue to grow. Um, uh, just because it's 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 much more affordable. Because I think the uh, price uh, of power, uh, last I checked, was uh, six cents a kilowatt hour. Um, so it it really it really does. Um, uh, I, I do expect it continue to grow. Um, we have really strong relationships with Encore, who is the uh, utility here in Texas, or the main utility here in uh, the DFW market. Um, and they've been a great partner to us, but I mean, they they are continuing to commit a lot of uh, money into uh, investing into the power infrastructure. And I think that they have a multi-billion dollar campaign that they're they're working on um, on uh, deploying to uh, shore up the power infrastructure to be able to support this market. Um, and so we expect we expect that it will continue to. Um, to grow uh, as power continues to be um, scarce in other places. Mm -hmm. Any uh, big uh, perceptible difference in the market uh, between uh, uh, North Dallas and uh, South Dallas? Uh, Rich Miller has written a bit about that, about how uh, there's, uh, you know, it, it's tied everywhere, but there's uh, there's been more uh, opportunities uh, lately in uh, to the south of Dallas, or you know, is that a useful uh, distinction that that you're thinking about at, at when you're seeing where projects are are coming up? Yeah, I mean, South Dallas, it it, it it's somewhat related to uh, land availability and, and certainly power availability, um, and then and then somewhat somewhat of it's related to is ability to get the entitlements on that land, um, and so South Dallas has had a fair amount of uh, both land availability and power availability. Um, uh, and then uh, on, so it's not as tight as uh, North North Dallas. Uh, a lot of the development is, uh, a lot of the commercial development is going further north. Um, so that is taking up some of the uh, uh, 
availability on the land. Um, so I would expect that it would continue uh, to, to be further further south of Dallas. Um, and we're we're seeing we're seeing we can't mention exact locations, but we're seeing uh, even even further well outside of the metroplex. Um, further south as well. So um, the other yeah. the other important uh, aspect in Texas and in other places is availability of water. Uh, and so, you know, again, what we look at when we're looking at sites and everything is um, availability of water as well as power on some of these um, newer data centers, so. Christine, mm -hmm. uh, have you seen the, uh... The ongoing issues with the grid in Texas having a direct impact on uh, on new data center construction. And I I didn't hear that first part. It you broke up for a second. Sorry. Sorry. The the ongoing uh, problems with the grid in Texas. Have you seen an impact on the on the uh, growth of new data center construction? Um. No. <laughs> I mean, right. uh, I, I think that you know I think Encore really. It is working on shoring them up. I, they've they've told me uh, that they've had um, uh, hundreds of hundreds hundreds and hundreds of requests for uh, new data center markets in and around uh, Texas. Um, so we're certainly not seeing it slow down um, on that or concerns on that. I mean, a lot of the uh, data centers do have backup. Uh, backup power due to something, you know, catastrophic. Um, but we've had, uh, uh, it, the state of Texas has really responded well and um, in particular Encore has as well as, as making sure that the, the grid is uh, stabilized. Are you are you seeing any increased interest in uh, in microgrids and cogeneration and any of the mm -hmm. power technologies at this point? Yeah, so we have a lot of microgrid projects going on in our uh, on-site energy and power group um, here in Texas, and and they're kind of sporadic all all through all throughout Texas. Um, and so I think that that you'll continue to see that trend as it relates to to power. Um, uh, and and some of it's driven by um, private companies. Some of it's driven by uh, uh, Encore as well. Okay. And was I, I maybe uh, we've uh, sort of come back to power. So maybe uh, this is a good place to uh, uh, try to wind up. Unless uh, Robert, there was anything else that you wanted to put in about Dallas. Fort Worth. I feel like it's uh, when we talk about Dallas, Fort Worth, and data centers, we're we're talking about hyperscale. Obviously, we're talking about all types of data centers, but it feels like uh, you know, uh, referring to the the point that uh, you sort of led in with uh, Christine, with uh, you know, the the proximity of, of the market, uh, you know, being uh, right in between uh, the two, uh, you know, giants of of Nova and uh, Silicon Valley. It, it kind of feels like a hyperscaler. Uh, playground uh, but uh you know obviously we know there's a lot of wholesale and uh, co-location there um is it just uh you know when we're talking about uh, dfw is it is it a large part of it like obviously like a hyperscale discussion or how, how do you think about that on the uh, construction consulting mm -hmm. side 
Yeah, so I think uh, it, it's a mix. Um, and it's dependent on uh, the size of campuses. Um, or I would say depends what you consider <laughs> how large of a net that you want to cast at, uh, of calling what DFW is. Um, if you're going 100 miles outside of, you know, center city, yes, we're seeing we're seeing all co-locations and hyperscalers and whatnot. Um, if you're if you're more narrow, narrow into downtown Dallas or downtown uh, Fort Worth, it's more of the co-location providers based on uh, lean availability. Um, and so that that's a that's a huge as Robert was citing earlier, that's a huge uh, uh, item where you want to uh, consider is where can you get hundreds of acres of land? Um, well, generally, that's not close to Center City. Um, however, you have the requirement of having uh, uh, low latency on some of these data centers, right? And so you need to be, depending on the type of data center, sometimes you do need to be uh, closer to the Metroplex. Um, so uh, I, I would say I would say it's uh, somewhat of a hub and spoke model a little bit where uh, where if you don't have latency issues or you have really strong long haul fiber connectivity, um, then you can go further out. Uh, and I think that Overall, the utilities, both on the fiber and the uh, power, has done a have done a fairly good job in DFW on on having that connectivity further out. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that. Um, we're down to our last uh, few minutes here, I guess. But um, I think what we were talking before, we were talking about uh, the degree of uh, renewables and uh, particularly uh, solar uh, consulting. Uh, Burns and McDonald does in the context of data centers is. It, David just mentioned microgrid. Is there any uh, point that you wanted to make on the uh, utilities versus renewables uh, end of the discussion? Um, um, yeah. yeah, go ahead, Robert. No, I was just to say, we do have a, a group, our, our power group does quite a bit of solar development and EPC in the, the solar space. Um, we are seeing, you know, there, there are a lot of conversations around how we might be able to um, use renewables such as solar combined with other technologies such as battery storage. They also do a lot of battery storage projects. I've done, I think, the largest in the U.S. out in California. Um, how we can combine them to serve data centers uh, in the future. So there's a lot of discussion around that, um, as well as with uh, hydrogen uh, production um, potentially being a, a, an opportunity. Um, we're not there yet in terms of, uh, you know, I think it's maybe a, a year or so out from being able to um, really address that and find, again, back to the real estate question, you know, where are you able to do this? But what you're seeing is solar developments being, um, you know, created in, in the areas where it makes sense. And, you know, they feed the grid and the grid feeds, you know, a, a mix of power to uh, these data center campuses, wherever they are. So, um, you know, we are, we're, we are seeing an uptick in solar, uh, a lot of benefits to it, obviously. Um, a lot of discussion around, uh, you know, battery storage and hydrogen and such. Um, and I would not be surprised to see some kind of uh, mix done with uh, data centers in the future. Understood. Well, it's uh, thank you so much uh, for coming in, uh, Robert and uh, Christine. It's been uh, great to uh, sit down with you here. 
and learn a bit more about the uh, data center practice of uh, Burns and McDonald's. So uh, thanks for joining us here on the Data Center Frontier Show podcast. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having us.